Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Friends, welcome. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of prayer and scripture reading together. On this All Saints Day, November 1st is designated as a day to honor all the saints, all those who have won the victory of salvation, having been faithful to Christ during this life. Some of them we know because they are canonized. Most of them we don't know, but we will meet when we ourselves are among that blessed crowd. So let's put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and see what our readings have to say to us today, especially about building a culture of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we rejoice because you have told us in your word, Be holy, for I am holy. You told your people of old in Leviticus this command. And your Son, Jesus Christ, told us, Be made perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You want us to be like you. And your Apostle John tells us that when we are in your presence, we will see you as you are and we shall become like you. We rejoice in this hope. We rejoice that we are on the journey of becoming purified, becoming like you, becoming perfected, becoming holy. Today we rejoice in that goal. We rejoice in those who have achieved that goal. And we look forward, Lord, to the fulfillment of our own sanctification in the glory of heaven. Each day, may we progress on this path. For we know, Lord God, that each day, by our words, by our actions, by our omissions, we either come closer to you or we go farther away, but we do not stay in one place. Enable us to advance today along the road of holiness, ever deepening our repentance for our sins, ever deepening our joyful acceptance of your grace, ever deepening as we do now, our loyal hearing and adherence to your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, saw another angel come up from the east, holding the seal of the living God. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were given power to damage the land and the sea. Do not damage the land or the tree or the sea or the trees until we put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. I heard the number of those who had been marked with the seal. 144,000 marked from every tribe of the children of Israel. After this, I had a vision of a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, race, people, and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation comes from our God, who is seated on the throne and from the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. 
They prostrated themselves before the throne, worshipped God, and exclaimed, Amen. Blessing and glory, wisdom and thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders spoke up and said to me, Who are these wearing white robes, and where did they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you are the one who knows. And he said to me, These are the ones who have survived the great time of distress and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, brothers and sisters, uh, we don't have to be troubled, first of all, by interpretations of the 144,000 thinking that that's the only number of people who will be saved, because obviously this reading goes on to say that there was a great multitude which no one could count of people from everywhere who had been saved. And how were they saved? White robes that had been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Interestingly, the robes were made white. If we wash something in blood, it's going to be red. But the blood of the Lamb makes it white, makes us white. Reminds us of Isaiah chapter 1. Though your sins be like crimson, they may become white as wool. And that happens through the blood of the Lamb. Notice that even in the, on the throne, for all eternity, it is the throne of God the Father and the Lamb. In other words, the sacrificial aspect of what Jesus did. The fact that He was offered, died for us, was sacrificed for us, gave himself for us. This is what shines above all else in eternity. It is the Lamb who is on the throne by his sacrifice. Now, of course, by who he is, he deserves all honor and glory because he is God from all eternity. But by his sacrifice in particular, he is honored. And this hymn is sung eternally. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might. Thanksgiving, Eucharist is what that word is. And we have the Eucharistic celebration each day giving thanks. It is the sacrifice of Christ. These are the ones who have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. We go to the cross. We repent of our sins. We go to confession. We receive His body and blood. We get purified. We are walking the path of salvation. But I want to focus on one phrase here. Oh, by the way, they're holding palm branches in their hands. When we have Palm Sunday at the uh, conclusion of Lent, it's not just about the palms that, that were held by the people who were greeting Jesus as He entered Jerusalem at the beginning of Holy Week, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. It's these palms. The palm is the sign of victory. The victory we will have forever there in heaven, the victory we have every day over sin. And by the way, the reason we are called kings, we share in the role of Jesus by our baptism as prophets, priests, and kings. It's that victory over evil. It's that triumph over temptation. It's that saying no to sin, even though it would pull us in the opposite direction of salvation that's the palm. Every day we hold the palm of victory when we say no to a temptation. But I want to focus on this phrase here. These are the ones who have survived the, 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 the time 
of great distress. Think about it. Now, the book of Revelation, here we are in the, in the seventh chapter, but throughout the book of Revelation, there's a theme that comes across very strongly. We are to be faithful in times of distress, persecution, opposition, vigorous opposition. The early church knew this from the persecutions of the Roman Empire. The faithful will undergo times of great distress in the form of opposition, maybe from civil government or from factions and groups that, that hate the cross of Christ. We are to be faithful in those times. But I want to look at this through another lens here. Are we not in a time of great distress now because of the moral darkness? Scripture says we're living in the shadow of death. The letter to the Hebrews tells us we are strangers and in exile. What does it mean we're in exile? We're in a strange land. We have here no lasting city. Paul says to the Philippians, we have our citizenship in heaven. What about now? This is a strange land we are living in, this journey on earth. It's not heaven, and therefore it doesn't correspond to what we were made for. We can't seek a utopia. We can't seek lasting happiness on this earth because there's something that doesn't fit. We were made according to the Word of God. Our hearts are restless until they rest in God. Only in God be at rest my soul, the psalmist says. Only in Him we find perfect happiness. But only in Him do things make sense. What doesn't fit in this land of exile, this shadow of death, this place where we do not have our primary citizenship, what doesn't fit is the lack of acknowledgement of God, the lack of the singing of this hymn, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, and power and might, honor to our God forever and ever. That song gets obscured by the things that drag us to pay attention to the passing pleasures and honors of life rather than to pleasing God. And the respect for human life is obscured. If the Creator is obscured and we forget to whom we owe all honor, all obedience, all loyalty, then we're not going to be able to make sense of the creature. If we obscure the Creator, we're not going to understand the creation. If we no longer respect the God who made everything, we're not going to respect the things He made. We're not going to respect human life. But in us there is a, there is a, a call. In us there is an instinct. There is an awareness. There is a memory, if you will, of what is right. And that is the absolute respect that is due to human life, especially the instinct to preserve our children. And that cries out within us. And brothers and sisters, it is a time of great distress when we see the conflict between what we know to be right and what the forces of this world impose on us. It is a time of great distress when the awareness of the dignity of human life has been so eclipsed that the highest court in the land can say it's okay to kill babies or even, even it's, it's, it's a right to kill babies. It's a time of great distress when those who have completely obscured the sanctity of life try to push a so-called right to abortion 
into our state constitutions. The battle now that is culminating in Ohio. It's a time of great distress. When we have to stand up and say killing a baby is wrong, why do we have to say that? I remind you again of the, I said it the other day, the conversation I had in Michigan this past Saturday where I was speaking for a statewide group and we were reflecting on how it's crazy in a sense that we have to have a priest for life, isn't every priest for life? Yeah, but that's rooted in another assertion. It's crazy that we have to have a pro-life movement. What do you mean pro-life? There's people who are pro-death? You can't be pro-death unless you're alive. Well, why do we have to have a pro-life movement? What, what is it that made us forget that life is better than death? This is a time of great distress. It's distressing. It should be distressing that there is this massive killing going on all around us. Little babies, not people who are attacking somebody, babies. It's a time of great distress. We see in the, the terroristic, barbaric violence of Hamas, the, the decapitation of babies. You know what we see in the abortion clinics? The decapitation of babies. This is a time of great distress. Blessed are they who survive it. How do we survive it? We keep our eyes focused. We never lose the memory. We never lose sight of the sanctity of human life, even if we feel like we're the only one that remembers it. We never lose sight of it. We never lose focus. We never get distracted. We never forget. We never lose that sense of awe, that sense of reverence. Not only do we not lose it within ourselves, we express it outside ourselves. We march. I'll be joining those of you in Michigan coming to the March for Life on November 8th. We march. We cry out. It's a time of great distress because the voice of truth is silence, and so many even who believe in it don't speak it, but we speak it. That's how we survive the time of great distress. We're a voice crying in the wilderness, but we cry. We're a light shining in the darkness, but we shine. And others will try to put that light out. It's a time of great distress. But we survive that because we are the voices for the voiceless, the light in the darkness, the voice crying in the wilderness. Brothers and sisters, we are in that time of great distress now, but we have access to the blood of the Lamb to make our robes white. We have access to those palm branches. Even now, we can take hold of that victory. We just have to be faithful to it each day as we journey to join all the saints. The saints give us the conviction, yes, it's doable. You can be saved. You can overcome this great time of distress. Let's do so as witnesses to the kingdom of life with joy. Father, we come before you with profound gratitude for the example and teaching and intercession of all the saints. We know they are not gods or goddesses. They are servants of you, the true God. We know they are not sources of grace different from or independent of the one mediator between God and humanity, Jesus Christ, but rather they are men and women who by their fidelity to that same Jesus Christ point us always to him and say he is the one. We thank you for the, the saints who pray for us to you who give us the example of surviving the great time of distress, who give us such an example of fidelity to the gospel of life. Enable us 
to follow their example always and bring us to that great gathering of life on high. And we pray now as Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now will be forever. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, we honor all the saints on this day, but we should be honoring and following their example and learning about them throughout the course of the year. And in relation to pro-life, I want to offer you my prayer booklet, In the Company of His Saints, it's called. You can see that prayer booklet together with five other special prayer booklets at prolifeprayers.com. In the Company of His Saints, I look at a whole long list of pro-life saints throughout the ages and teach you a little bit about their lives, their example, and have a prayer in their honor. Order the little booklet in the company of his saints. Go to prolifeprayers.com. Stay connected with us and uh, keep praying for victory in Ohio. Uh, you will also see uh, on our prayer website the prayer for that intention. We have to stop this issue one, this destructive amendment that declares a, a terrible violence to be a right. What a barbaric distortion of the truth. So let's pray for that as well. Victory in Ohio, prolifeprayers.com. And we will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. Priest, the Priest for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priest for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.